Whether your New Year's celebration was wild and crazy or quiet and tame, 2023 is here and women's basketball across the country is ready to rock and roll. And it all starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello, happy new year and happy Monday, friends. It is January 2nd, 2023. I am Missy Heidrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com promo code capital L O C K E D O N. Well, because today is the first episode of Locked On Women's Basketball for 2023, we're going to dive into this week's AP poll and all the craziness that got us to this week's rankings, the games, the players who moved the polls up and down and all around, and then we have to always check in on one of our favorite acronyms, NET Rankings. And today I am so happy to be joined by one of my awesome colleagues at The Next, Alex Simon. Alex is an AP voter, so yes, we're going to go through his votes and this poll with a fine-tooth comb today. All right, Alex, Happy New Year, my friend, and thank you so much for being here. Um, Let's talk about what struck you when this poll dropped just a little bit ago here today. Um, there's a lot of movement, maybe the most we've seen all season long. The top five spots stay the same. Um, well, technically they don't, I'd say that I go back. Let me, let me go back. Top three spots stay the same four and five. We've got Notre Dame up one spot to number four. Yukon goes up three spots to number five. But after that, it seems as though things really started to crumble and tumble your thoughts on what you initially saw when this came out. Well, it matches, you know, you were talking about hoping people either had their crazy and wild New Year's or their tame New Year's. The uh, women's college basketball world was not tame in the final week of 2022. Uh, We had four top 10 teams lose to unranked opponents last week, including three on Thursday night, two alone in the ACC. And there was almost a third one, too. And that's kind of my takeaway from this is just that, like, even if you didn't win in a beautiful way or you didn't play your best basketball, uh, it was an, achie- an achievement this week just to keep your record clean and get the wins. Indiana had been ranked fourth in the country, and not only did they suffer their first loss of the season, they almost suffered two in a row. They lost all- They lost earlier on a Thursday, I believe it was, to Illinois, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um And then on top of that, no, they lost to Michigan State. It was Illinois who beat Iowa later in the weekend. But then Indiana had to use overtime to escape Nebraska as well. And so the Hoosiers stay in the top 10. They actually stay at six that way. But uh, just kind of showing just kind of how nuts this week was, that even if you're a top five team, there wasn't much escaping some really competitive basketball as conference play restarted. 
Yeah, I think that's, I mean, and this is probably where we always get to, um, if you talk to any coach, they'll tell you, we break the season down into three spots. We're going to say we've got our our non-conference, our conference, and then postseason. We've done the first section. That's check. Thank you, 2022. Now we're into 23, and this is full-fledged conference grind day in and day out. There'll be a couple non-con games smattered in here, but really you're not going to see any more of those because everybody's got to get through their gauntlets of their own conference it, teams. It's so, mainly you. It's mainly UConn left playing yeah, some big non-con games. Exactly. So whether they stay at five or not will be determined, I think, not only of how they manage their Big E schedule, but how they do manage some of those other non-cons that are still sprinkled in that schedule. But let's talk first, kind of look at the leagues. And I think one of the ones that crosses my mind first is the Big Ten. And we've said, and a lot of people have talked about this conference from the start, saying it is strong, uh, could be one of, could be the strongest in the nation when you think about some of the teams that are there. Um, Ohio State, they stay at number three. As you said, they've got the clean record. They sit at 15-0. and 0. They've got injuries. They've been managing. They have just tried to figure out a way to win games. But is that going to be enough in another three, four weeks, depending on what that looks like? Give me your thoughts on the Buckeyes. Well, when you say just managing to win, it's not that they're just getting the wins. They're doing it against really good teams. Yeah, They went down to San Diego right before Christmas and beat South Florida in overtime and then ran away from a pretty darn good Oregon team to get the two wins and win that tournament. And then they come back to start. Big Ten play, they cruise over Northwestern, but then Michigan gives them a really good battle and they are able to hold on and win by nine. So even as you're not playing at 100% right now, it's there. But the way that the Big Ten looks, look at what do they turn around with? All right, well, you got to go to Minnesota and take on Braun, one of the top freshmen in the nation, right away. It comes to your house, Illinois, who I believe is uh, just on the outside of the poll. They're the 26th team. So they're not ranked, but they're the first in the receiving votes area nebraska who's picked off a couple of big wins already this season right after that then you know you get later in the month and oh yeah you have a back-to-back hosting iowa at indiana i think the Mm -hmm. thing with the big 10 and you kind of you can see it already there's going to be probably a lot of teams that even pick up three four six conference losses but are going to be considered some of the top 20 teams in the country just because this conference is so good it's so deep right now we might see 10 11 Big Ten teams make the tournament this year, and I don't think anybody would bat an eye at it because of just the quality of the depth in this league. No, I absolutely agree, and I think a couple that stand out, as you said, that Illinois team sits at 26. You know, they are on the outside looking in, but if you had asked anybody to talk about Illinois women's basketball and say that's where they'd be sitting right now, I think they would have thought you were crazy a year ago. Um, But it is a a fantastic example of what a reset and a, a, a reset of your program, of your culture, of finding the right players for the right system, all of those things that need to happen when you have a coaching change. And Shauna Green has done that coming from Dayton to Illinois, and you know that they are going to compete. And so if I'm Ohio State, if I'm Indiana, if I'm Iowa, obviously, who did not want to see Illinois on their schedule uh, over the course of the weekend – if I'm Michigan, if I'm Maryland, those games now at Champaign or when they come to your house, those are not given W's anymore. Right. And and on top of I mean, use the net ratings for, for as you will. We can always talk about those. But there's nine Big Ten teams in the top 43 
Purdue is at 43 in the net. That's literally the top 10%. I think it's like top 15% in the country. And they're the ninth best team in the conference by net ratings. And even, you know, Nebraska is at 39. You have seven teams in the top 30 from the Big Ten in the net rankings because Maryland, Illinois, Michigan State are 28, 29, and 30. So you have this Michigan State team that did get this huge win over Indiana, has had a couple of tough – they had a super challenging non-conference schedule, and I'll give them all the credit in the world. They went up to that PK-80 tournament, and they they took on Iowa State. They took on Oregon. They played close competitive games against Oregon. They lost a close competitive game to Georgia Tech in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But when you can lose competitive games, sometimes that will help you turn those around and win them come conference game. But you can only do that if you're challenging yourself in the non-conference, I feel like. When, when you get into tight, the more tight games you play early, I think the better you will be in them later on. And Michigan State proved that, I think, just in their first conference big win so far this year against Indiana. No, I, I would agree with you. And I thought one of the other numbers that came out once this poll uh, was released here this afternoon, that there were 22 losses by teams in the AP top 10 this season before January 1st. So when you start thinking about that and you start looking at the teams who have put themselves up, but then have struggled over the last couple weeks, and then they've had a couple losses and you fall in the polls, it's the one thing that people talk about, which isn't always necessarily the, you know, maybe something that everyone likes to to talk about as much. But I think parity is that one word that maybe we're starting to see the competitiveness in rosters and games and and allowing some of these leagues to showcase some of this talent from top to bottom. And I mean, you can even just see that in the fact that, you know, it's the beginning of January and we only, and I truly mean only have five undefeated teams left in the country. And I would argue, by the way, that that number is not going to hold long just because one, two of them are in the same conference, LSU and South Carolina and the SEC, they will face each other once. Uh, Mm -hmm. St. John's has been an amazing story. They're up to 24th in the national poll. They, They are a team in UConn's conference. And I think everybody would probably say with reason that, you know, that will be a very tough game for St. John's to keep that number at zero. So it's not hard to picture us down to what, maybe one undefeated team, Mm -hmm. even the next two weeks, given how some of the schedules look. And so I I look at everything that's happened so far this season, and it's when teams face each other and kind of have that parity that uh, you're going to see a lot more teams take losses but I think the quality of games night in and night out is so high right now. Okay, we're going to talk about one of those still undefeated teams, the Utah Utes, in just a minute. We're going to talk about some of the other leagues and some of the people that joined the poll for the first time in just a moment. But before that, I have to tell you a little bit about our friends at Prize Picks. So how does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than their Prize Picks projections, you win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, NHL, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, everything. Your entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So what do you do? You've got to download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. 
First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit matchup to $100. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen to every day. I am here with Alex Simon. We are talking about this week's AP College Women's Basketball poll, the movers, the shakers, the ups and downs. And we were talking about it just a moment ago, Alex, that there are still five remaining undefeated teams in this poll, one of them out of the Pac-12. Probably the team that most people view threw it up in the air and said, tell me what Pac-12 team you think will be undefeated come January 1st. People look at you and say, well, that'll be Stanford. But that's not it. It's not Stanford. Yes, Stanford sits at number two, but you've got to look at 14-0 and 0 in at number eight in this week's poll is this Utah Utes team. They are 3-0 and 0 to start Pac-12 play. It seems as though they have found a groove it's scoring points, but they have been able to find a way to outscore, but also to shut other people down. Yeah, they they really have done a pretty remarkable job all season long at taking on whoever showed up and dispatching them. Um, mm-hmm. They, I, I, one of the more questionable scheduling things, and I just wonder if this was a choice all year, was when Oklahoma played literally a back to back of a, I think it was like a Wednesday afternoon game against BYU, and then played the next night at Utah, and it was kind of two games in two days. I don't know exactly why Oklahoma did it, but doing that at altitude especially is a really tough challenge. And Utah yeah. absolutely blew the doors off of Oklahoma in the second half. Oklahoma's looked great other than that game, but to me that only adds to Utah's favor that they continue to shine very brightly in spite of this. They've In spite of that circumstance where it was a huge number, they killed them, but then they've beaten both SEC teams. They played a non-conference, Alabama and Old Miss, two mid-level SEC teams, but I think pretty good teams at that. And now they've entered Pac-12 conference play. And I, I think the Pac-12 is starting to realize we have a really solid middle class, kind of like what we were just talking about in the Big Ten, where mm-hmm. you can't really take a night off. So, yeah, it might not look like huge wins to only be Washington State by five and Washington by eight on the road. But a win is a win right now. And for Utah, I mean, they're up into the top 10 for the first time in their school's history for the women's program. I actually had them even higher in my personal poll. The consensus has them at eight. I had them at six. And I have them even lower than what Net says, because Net has them at five right now. So mm-hmm. I, I think Utah is legit. I don't know if we're going to see a t- true test for them instantly. They will play a Colorado team that's looked solid this season. They then host Arizona State on the 13th, so we're still almost two weeks away from that game. And then they have two humongous back-to-back tests on January 15th. They host Arizona, who is, as we record this on Monday afternoon, playing at Stanford right now. And then right. on January 20th, Utah will head to Stanford. And if they can get all the way through their next three games and get that big win over Arizona, they'd be 17-0 and going to Stanford in what could be a Pac-12 title game rematch and preview. Because I think people forgot that that Utah team did make it to the Pac-12 conference championship game last year. They've wow. been building to this point. And mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a, a maybe a total ascension here from this youth squad. 
Well, and I think it's also interesting because they haven't dropped off, even though you had the one player who led the Pac-12 a year ago in assists and Drew Gilton, who left and she went into the transfer portal and transferred back to her home state and is spending this season with South Dakota State. So you take that type of playmaker out. A lot of people would make the assumption, oh, well, they're not going to be as good. Really no drop off at all. And I think give credit, give credit to the kids that are there, to that coaching staff. They found the right system and they've been able to tap into what is working for them. I see that happening with other teams. So we're now let's go from West Coast back out to the East Coast. Um, And we have to start talking a little bit about the movers and the shakers up and down in the ACC. First, three state loss, three straight losses by North Carolina. They drop, I believe it was nine spots to number 22 in this week's poll. But just uh, eight, nine, ten minutes down the tobacco road, the Duke Blue Devils make their first appearance in the AP poll this season. They're up seven spots, sit at 13 and one. Their only losses to UConn. They've now won two in a row with a huge win beating NC State in Raleigh, and then they hold off Louisville at home. Your thoughts on what's happening over there in that triangle, it's really interesting basketball with Duke, North Carolina, and NC State. I mean, is anyone really surprised that Carol Austin is a decent (laughs) basketball coach? I mean, I I have seen some folks, I'm going to give a little hat tip to my dear friend Russell Steinberg over at Boardroom pointing out that like Carol Austin's probably the best basketball coach on that campus right now. Uh, and I don't think it's pretty hard to argue against given what she's been able to do with the various coach staff she's been on with the various squads she's led. She has this Duke team looking really fierce. I think there's been a lot of people kind of wanted to see it from them. And it's been a kind of a bumpy road, especially through COVID where Duke shut down in the middle of COVID last year yeah. was a buildup here, but th- this has been coming for the blue devils. I think for the Tar Heels, it really is just a string of, some pretty tough losses and yeah. you can overemphasize it. If you want Michigan, they got outplayed and they've been outplayed twice by big 10 teams, but in tough environments, they went to Indiana and Indiana shot the lights out in that game. They've got beat by a Michigan team, Florida state beat UNC on the road. And that's maybe the loss that is the most kind of eye opening to me. Mm-hmm. Now, Florida state, I thought has looked really good this season, but when you go to Virginia tech, this is still a top 10 Virginia tech team and it came down to three free throws at the end of the game. So I also wonder where NC state is going to fit in. And because again, I think the ACC very similarly to the big 10, this is an incredibly deep conference right now. Mm -hmm. And they are even, you know, Notre Dame is chilling. If you will, at number four, (laughs) they just went down to Miami and nearly got beat to open their conference play here and had to escape with a three-point win. So even if they got through clean, they're one of three teams. I mean, I'm sorry, Missy, but like we're three games into conference play and only three teams are left without a loss in the conference. Yeah. To me, that's that's just like the way to just say this is a crazy start to the year in that conference and everything's a little topsy-turvy right now. No, I think you're absolutely right. Either went the wild and crazy celebration or the quiet and tame. Some people just, it's going to be a combination of both. And I feel like it's going to be like that all the time. I'm with you. I think if you're North Carolina and you look at this and say, okay, this is, those are, those are winnable games for them, but yet you've got to be able to correct some of those mistakes down the stretch to be able to now come back and win some of those games and create that parity 
my question to you, when you look at a team like North Carolina, where they sit at nine and four, is that from a voter perspective, is that kind of what you thought would happen? Did you think that because of those easy losses that it might not be, they might drop us, not drop as far. What did you think about that? Uh, I mean, I initially had North Carolina as a top five team after they started the season out strong. And so the way that they've lost, and especially just right now, you know, it's really tough to differentiate to some extent as a voter between teams who are like 17th, 27th, and even 37th to some extent. There's a lot of really quality basketball being played, and there's a lot of teams kind of in this murky middle. I do want to make note, I really wonder what life would be like at North Carolina if they were able to get an extra year of eligibility for Carly Littlefield, who was their Princeton transfer, who was so immense for Courtney Banghart at Princeton and for that team last year. She technically Mm -hmm. had a chance to get another year of eligibility, but the NCAA denied her waiver. um, And, you know, the Ivies completely were shut down in that COVID season where they've given now everybody some year back. So I do wonder how different this team could be if they could have Littlefield there and her experience and her kind of just ease and calm that she can bring to kind of running an offense and helping keep that team afloat. Um, they've had plenty of time to adjust to it. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, so they're not going to use that, that as an excuse, but I think about that as a voter and it, and it, I just wonder like how different would we be viewing this team? How different would they be playing? Had they been able to have that happen? No, I think that's a great point. I think that's a, a fantastic point to make. Okay. When we come back in just a moment, we've got to talk net rankings, but we've also got to talk about some of those other teams kind of still moving and shaking, holding their own in this poll simply because they are getting the job done. But first it is 2023. The new year's resolutions are upon us. We've all got to try to do it right. So we're, if you're looking for something to help you in your fitness and your nutrition, you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the other stuff that goes with it, then you got to try a built bar. So we just got through the holidays. I know we've all got those goals. We're going to try to eat healthier. We're going to do better, but you don't necessarily want to compromise taste. Then I've got a thing for you. You've got to try built bar with built. It's healthy. It's actually tasty. They're delicious. And you won't think that you won't even know that it's actually good for you. It is perfect for the new year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And that's even better is that they are healthy for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein to get you through the day. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs, and that will definitely start the new year off on a good foot. Hi, everybody. It is Missy Heydrich here at Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next, and my friend Alex Simon is with me. And we are talking about this week's poll, all the movers and the shakers, and what this is going to look like as we start 2020, as we start 2023, and a full slate of conference games from here until March. Um, We've talked about the Big Ten. We've hit on the ACC. We've looked at how Utah is continuing to stay undefeated and is one of the five undefeated teams in the country out of the Pac-12. Let's look at the SEC now. 
The year started with South Carolina as the number one team. We entered 2023. They are still the number one team in the country. My motto always is, you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. They're the reigning national champions. We know that Don Staley's teams are going to be ready to play all the time. One team you and I talked about, oh, maybe a month, month and a half ago, was the LSU Tigers. They sit now at number They sit at number seven. They are 14-0, and and they're up two spots in this week's poll. Tell me, tell me, tell me, my friend, your thoughts on what's going on in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I've got some penance to pay pretty clearly to some of our <laughs> friends down south in the uh, down in the bayou. Uh, LSU has proven me wrong. They've come into some pretty big games. And even kind of if you look retrospectively at some of their previous games, you know, they really destroyed Oregon State. And this is an Oregon State team that just came out and beat up a UCLA team pretty good to start off yes. Pac-12 play. Now, granted, that was without Charisma Osborne, but that win, I think, looks better for LSU. And they start SEC play with a pretty thorough beatdown of Arkansas. I would have thought kind of the way that the non-conference worked out for each team. Arkansas had a brutal, challenging non-conference schedule and did really well in it as well, mm-hmm. that I would have thought they were the team that could come into that matchup. But sometimes talent is talent. And Angel Reese is an unbelievable talent down south. Kim Mulkey can get players like nobody's business. And LSU is starting to play like the team that has the talent and really is doing it as the schedule gets tougher, which makes you may, you know, I could still make the case if they had had a tougher non-conference schedule, there wouldn't be anybody doubting them and they wouldn't be below four right now. I think people still are going to doubt them because the schedule was so weak, but I think we're going to see LSU if they can keep getting those wins in SEC play, shoot right into even the discussion for the number one seed come later on, come March, really, in that way. Absolutely. Well, it's one of the, I mean, probably the most explosive offensive system right now in college basketball. Um, you know, heading into last week, they were leading the nation in scoring. As you said, Angel Reese, she's, she's a double-double machine. And you can just see what type of impact player she is when she's on the floor. I was incredibly surprised that Arkansas wasn't more competitive in that game, that they just didn't really have a lot of answers for what LSU brought to the floor, Um, which then leads me, let's talk a little bit about the big 12. Um, That's, you know, sort of my bailiwick and where I spent a lot of my time, four teams in the big 12 and Iowa state coming in at number 11, You've got Oklahoma at 17, Kansas at 21, Baylor at 23. What stands out to you as a voter when you look at what the Big 12 is going to be going through, knowing that they play a true round-robin schedule? Everybody plays each other twice, this year at least. <laughs> and But what what does that mean right out of the gate? I feel like some people are starting to separate themselves a little bit. Yeah, but also – as soon as we've done that, and in this season in particular, this week alone, you know, Baylor plays Oklahoma and Kansas, Oklahoma themselves, they host Baylor. And then I believe they uh, have Iowa State coming in. So like, I can already just get the feeling that if this season goes the way that it's going to go, that the Big 12, like the we might not have a conference winner with less than four losses in that conference, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it truly feels to me like that is a conference that at, at least five teams, there may not be that much separation where any given night, one of those top teams can beat the other and it could end up that way. I will make a note as a voter. I think it is interesting to see that Texas 
comes in, they only have nine points. And the way that the AP poll works, you basically get 25 points for one voter having you in the number one spot and one point for the 25th spot. And that's how they combine them all. Texas has nine points Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. full AP poll. I believe if I'm going to double check, I would be worth literally more than half of those as an individual voter myself. I have Texas at number 20. So yeah, I they have uh, six points actually from me and three total from the rest of the voting. I think okay. it's important to note, Texas has only lost once with Rory Harmon on the floor. Out of yeah. all of those losses they had, especially down at the Battle for Atlantis, was without Rory Harmon. They have looked like a totally different team with her than without her. And while I would love to see a team like Texas that has brought so many transfers in that wants to be a team that you could plug and play and just go, I would have wanted them to be better. I dropped them really quickly out of my poll with those losses. Now that they look like the full team that they are, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that those losses maybe wouldn't have happened the same way if Harmon were healthy. So I actually have them 20. I think we could see Texas shoot back into the mid-teens rather quickly in Big 12 play if they are as good as they've looked with Rory back with them. I would agree with you 100%. You know, Aaliyah Moore, she is out for the season, went down with that ACL injury prior to the holidays. That's a big loss for them, but yet... In typical Vic Schaefer fashion, he's got a lot of talent on that bench. He's got people that can step into some of those roles. And when you've got a true point guard to run your system and run the show in the way that a a kid like Roy Harmon sets the tone, I mean, that's all the difference maker that you really need. And I think that's why she's established herself as one of the best players in the league, no doubt about it. I think they're in a very different spot if she had been healthy to start the season. And also, it's worth pointing out, Shaylee Gonzalez was the transfer from BYU. She was, there was not a team in the country that wasn't at least checking in on her to try to get her to come to their campus once yeah. she went into the portal last summer. Mm-hmm. So I, they they really do have a lot of talent. And I, and I kind of wanted to see them be able to play without Harmon. Mm-hmm. But now that Harmon is back, I'm going to say, all right, well, if this is the way that this team's going to be, especially when you mentioned the more injury, then if they keep getting these wins, I can't discredit them for the losses as heavily. Another team, by the way, worth mentioning in that same vein is Tennessee. And yeah. if you look at the net rankings, uh, to mention this, Tennessee is still 14th in the net rankings and Texas is still 13th in the net rankings. So even if we as voters maybe sometimes you know, get a little harsh with top teams when they take losses, uh, evaluation-wise, if you just keep putting the talent on the floor and keep looking good in the wins it will eventually come back for you. And so for both of those teams, they have looked far better from December on and especially into conference play than they did in that first month of the season. And I'm wondering if we could see some uh, late season surges from both of those orange UTs. (laughs) No, I think you're right. And I think that's kind of the caveat that maybe we should always have an asterisk in, in some of this is to say that, yeah, it's it's awesome when teams look so good right out of the gate in November, you know, that then all of a sudden I've got these high hopes and all of the above and they're winning and they're creating this culture and all, but yet you've got to sustain that. It's got to go from November to March and then hopefully for your own sake of your program through a lot of March. And sometimes you got to have those bumps in the road to kind of keep you moving along and sometimes you just do it quietly without a lot of fanfare. And and that might be where a team like Texas and Tennessee kind of put themselves, having bent at the top of the top to start, 
and now you just sort of ride the wave back the other direction. Not a lot of people pay attention. Not as many people notice. And you have a chance to kind of get your own house in order. A team that I like that seems to just sort of, as we, we talk There's about, we talk about net and we talk about the AP, but I want your thoughts on Gonzaga because they sit at number 20. They're down a spot, but they are at 14 and two out in the WCC. They've played a good schedule, but this is a Bulldog team that I think has a lot of potential to continue to stay in this poll as the season goes. So as a voter, when you look at someone like Gonzaga now, as we hit January 1, how do you evaluate a team like that? Yeah, I mean, in part, you look at what they did in that battle for Atlantis, and you have to give them some credit. They are getting, Tana, unfortunately for them, they're getting hurt by the fact that Louisville and Tennessee did crater so fully for a little bit there because those are, you know, Louisville was a top five win in some of the polls. Louisville was six in the AP poll when they beat him in that game. Tennessee, you know, you start the season, Tennessee's a top five team and you end up playing them in a third place game and you beat them, but Tennessee fully cratering the way they did kind of hurts the perception of them. They go to Stanford. They didn't look great in that game against Stanford, but they didn't look awful. And, and to some extent, you know, Gonzaga, this is true in both men's and women's college basketball. The West Coast Conference is a lot better than I think people give it credit for. But because games are played so late, they're not the easiest to find on television. It is tough to kind of evaluate the quality of the non-conference team of the teams other than Gonzaga in the conference. You know, I happen to think that the West Coast Conference plays some really competitive basketball. There are some really tough environments to play in. These mm-hmm. gyms that are played in are tiny, and if they're full, they're raucous. Um, mm-hmm. So Gonzaga, if they can run the table in the West Coast Conference, that'll impress me. But I, you know, I happen to be West Coast based in that way, so I know. <laughs> you know, I've been to games at Santa Clara. I've been to games at San Francisco as a Bay Area guy. I've been to Loyola Marymount. I know how tough some of these road environments are in this conference. So mm-hmm. to win with the way that Gonzaga does win, I might be super impressed. But I'm. It's going to be tough for them to stay there just with the way that. West coast bias and, you know, negative East coast bias in that way two West coast schools can be, but you know, I'm not opinionated about that whatsoever. No, 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 no. We got no bias. We got none of that going on anywhere around here, but I would agree with you. I think that is one of those sort of um, lost in translation things that happens as we go through the season is looking at the evaluation of a team and then saying, well, what does it take for them to be successful in their league? Well, you're going to have to go into some really tough environments and you can't really have, there's not many games in your conference that you can just chalk up and say, we can roll out the ball and it's going to be an automatic W. That's the beauty, I think, of strength and parity in most of the leagues across the country, your Power Five, the Big East, and our mid-major friends out there. It is becoming difficult to have sustained success unless you really can be at the top, have your top game night in, night out. And and I definitely want to say, too, this for Gonzaga, that uh, I think they're being hurt more than any, any team by – something completely outside of their control, but BYU has been a really good kind of number two to Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference for years now. But after Jeff Judkins, the longtime Cougar head coach, retired after last season, that program's kind of going through a reset, which is understandable and completely fine for them. And Mm -hmm. that happens. 
That does, though, hurt Gonzaga just in the sense that as you get into your conference play, you maybe don't get, you know, a marquee win against a team who's also ranked the way that you are ranked uh, as you get later into conference play. So um, that could be a factor. You know, BYU was the winner of the regular season conference last year, though. They had some weird COVID stuff with their scheduling. It's all complicated. Look it up if you want. But Gonzaga <laughs> won the conference tourney. They both were tournament teams. So yeah. there's not going to likely be two West Coast conference tournament teams this year if Gonzaga runs the table. Only if they get upset would that happen. But th- they're going to have that battle that, you know, that school is very familiar with of kind of fighting the we're playing tough games and quality games perception. Yeah. All right. So everybody keep your eyes on the Gonzaga Bulldogs and a lot of other teams who continue to move up and down in these polls. We didn't talk a ton about net rankings, but before we go, it's I think it, it is January 2nd. We have got so much basketball left to be played. And so I don't want fans and people out there to pin their hopes to a net ranking number and say that that's it. This is it. I feel like these are going to move. We're going to have movement. Because we have to remember that it is about who you play, when you play, how you did it, and, and what the result of that is. So as a voter, when you take that into account and you look at everything that goes on plus net as we sit here today on January 2nd, is there anything in that top 80 plus that really strikes you as interesting? Or are we still too far away? Because that's why I feel like I am. I, I, I struggle looking at it because I feel like I'm too far away from the end. We definitely are. It is very fascinating to me right now, knowing how many power conference teams are likely to be higher up because they've done really well in their non-conference before they play each other. When you lose games, you do get the hurt in the net, even if you're losing to good teams. So to see the the mid-major schools or, you know, the high majors, whatever you want to call the schools that aren't the power six in that way, when you see those schools already kind of high up, that definitely kind of piques my interest in that way. You know, we just mentioned Gonzaga. They're at 36. If all of these Big Ten teams, SEC teams, ACC teams keep beating each other and they start falling down the net, how high will a Gonzaga get? How high, you know, Middle Tennessee State from Conference USA, 10 and 2. They're 26 in the net rankings. They are getting a few votes. They actually have more than Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love for that matchup that they have to really put another win on Rice, the other, I think, really good team from Conference USA. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, they're a team that not only will keep rising in the net, but probably rises into the top 25 in the AP poll. So right. that's where I find the most intriguing stuff right now. You know, Columbia, the top Ivy League yes. school so far at 33, they've got a huge matchup with Princeton coming soon. The, you know, current perennial power who's at 56. So kind of seeing where the top mid-majors are mm-hmm. already and seeing which ones have floated really high up in the net because they might just keep rising higher and higher. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I look at, you know, you look at this and you start knocking them off. I've got Bowling Green sitting at 48. You've got Toledo from the Mac as well with with Bowling Green at 52. Out of the horizon, Cleveland State sits at 54. Stephen F. Austin, who's been in the NCAA tournament multiple years over the last couple seasons, out of the whack, they sit at 55. I mean, these are all people positioning themselves, as you said, and if they can continue to have the sustained success – win games, win at home, win on the road, those numbers go up, other people fall down. It does create a much different matrix in a couple weeks than maybe what it looks like on January 2nd. The one caveat is 
if you're that high in a conference that maybe doesn't have all those teams that are that high with you, if you do drop a game in your conference, it really hurts. This is true. Rankings. You are absolutely right. You got to take care of your business, but if you do, it can get really high, but, but that's, that's the, 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 the give and the take when you're an ACC team, who's like the ninth best team in the ACC, but you're only at 40. Even if you're losing an ACC game, you're probably losing to a team above you. So it doesn't hurt you as bad. But, you know, if you're losing to a team in the 200s to the 300s, that that's a different story. You are absolutely right. Okay, everybody. It is the first Lockdown Women's Basketball episode of 2023. Thank you so much for being with me, Alex. Where do they find you so that they can dive in and then give you a hard time about your poll? Yeah, so it's Bay Area News Group. <laughs> Head to mercurynews.com. Uh, you can always tweet at me about my poll at Alex Simon Sports. You can probably find me on other socials, too, with that. But uh, yeah, we've got a, a weekly poll with my ballot every week, and I would love for people to scream at me why I'm terrible and wrong about whatever, <laughs> just so I could see who's the most passionate uh, fan base that way. That's what we like. We like passionate women's basketball fan bases, and we know that they are out there. And this is when the going gets good, everybody. Conference play is here, and you do not want to miss a beat. Well, you can find me um, at Missy Hydric on Twitter, and then all of my amazing colleagues. Make sure you come to www.thenexthoops.com, and then you follow this podcast on Twitter as well at Lockdown. WBB. Join me here on Mondays. We talk everything about college hoops and come back all this week for more episodes. We've got everything covered, news and notes, international basketball news and notes, the moves across the WNBA. They're still coming. There's going to be continual hirings and everything. We've got you covered. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game across your favorite professional league and college conference with local analysis and only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on Locked On Network, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Happy New Year, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the first week of 2023 and all the women's basketball that there is to come.